Good morning, church. How are you guys? What a beautiful time of worship. Uh, Thank you, worship team. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham, and I have the privilege of being a pastor here at at City Reach. It's one of the the greatest joys and privileges of my life to be able to do that. Um, I'm now 43, and uh, my body reminds me that I'm 43. Uh, Some mornings I get up, uh, but part of me still thinks I'm 20, especially when I'm posed with a, a physical challenge, right? Uh, so just before leaving Hong Kong, uh, my family and I were there for 13 years, some Aussie friends of mine decided, let's do a 50-kilometer night hike. And in my head, I'm 20. I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm in. And I'd done absolutely no training at all. I wasn't fit or anything like that. But I thought to myself, how hard can this really be? Well, it turns out, very hard indeed. Uh, so, so hard that after about 30 kilometers, in the middle of the night, especially the early hours of the morning, we were in this deep valley and this monster hill is facing me, and I thought I was going to die. Well, about an hour later, we're still walking, only this time I was hoping I was going to die, because it was that, just please end it all now. Uh, We had estimated that this hike would take us about 12 hours if we go slowly. Well, 15 hours later, we are still hiking. And the only thing in my head that's keeping me going is that I know that the hike finishes at a beach. I'm going to show you a picture now. This was, it should have been in the morning, but way in the distance is this beach that this hike finishes at. And I'm just thinking, I cannot wait For when I'm finished, I'm just going to get to that beach, and I'm going to go to the ocean, I'm going to drop my bag, and I'm going to fall into the coolness of those waters. And finally, 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 I arrived, and I did just that. I dropped my backpack, and I got to the ocean, and I just fell in the water, and it was beautiful. It was everything that I longed for. You know, in my head, I I probably saw it as like a scene from a war movie, you know, when the hero finally makes it home and then collapses, but probably it was more likely a a sort of a whale flapping around in 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 the waters. But you know what? I didn't care because it was beautiful, and I was just enjoying that moment. Um... Going through the letter of Jude can feel a lot like that, right? We've been through some pretty dark and tough valleys. Um, and if, if we look at it, it can get a bit discouraging, right? There's so much false teaching going on. There's so much immorality that's happening, and it can get you down. And Jude himself, he's writing this letter, and at the beginning of the letter, all he wants to tell us is about our common salvation, but he finds that he actually has to, he has to address these issues in the church. So he says, I wanted to do this, but now I have to deal with the issues that are going on in the church. But right at the end of the letter, we get to these last two verses. And it's as if Jude cannot help himself. And he goes back to his original intention. And he gives us these two verses which remind us of our common salvation. And he does it by reminding of us of two important things. Number one. What God accomplishes for us, verse 24. And number two, what God is 
to us. Verse 25. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Uh, This week I've been reading about a very well-known Christian apologist who died early last year. And what has since come to light after his death that he led very much a double life. How he presented himself publicly was very different to how he lived privately. And he deceived the organization in which he led. He deceived his family. And and thousands of people who, who followed him, who supported him, felt a sense of betrayal. And after reading all this, I have to be honest with you, I felt quite down afterwards, and there's this question that comes up, could it happen to us as well? Could it, could it happen to me? You know, with all this stumbling we've been reading about, could it happen to us? And we'd be foolish to think that it could never happen, that we could never fall. So Jude does this incredible thing, this awesome thing, right at the end of the letter. He invites us into the cool, refreshing waters of the truth of the gospel. Guys, come and bathe in this for a while. And this is what he said. He feels this, you guys need to know. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, Jesus is able It means that Jesus has the ability, he has the power to do it. The problem is, most of us think we are able. We have the power. The ability is within us to keep ourselves from stumbling. That if we just white-knuckle it enough, then somehow we'll keep ourselves from stumbling. And this might last a while. You might seem like you have some sort of success, but after a while, you realize it doesn't work. And even if it does have the appearance of working, what happens to us is that we become proud. We think, oh my goodness, look at me. I'm able to keep myself. I'm so much better than everyone else. I have the strength in myself. Um. Does anyone know what this is? Show you a picture. Does anyone know what that is? Niagara Falls. The American amongst us knows that because this is actually in America, right? It's a little town of Niagara. On one side, you can see the Canadian flag. On the other side is the USA, this incredible waterfall. It is one of the most beautiful things that you will ever see. Now, in 1859, there was a Frenchman called Charles Blondin. And Blondine put a tightrope across the Niagara Falls, 160 feet above, and he walked between Canada and America. And he didn't do it just once, he did it several times. And as you can imagine, huge crowds came to see this, right? And they looked on with shock and awe, and is he going to fall? How can he do that kind of thing? And Blondine just upped it, right? He thought, well, that's not enough. He went across once in a sack, once he did it on stilts, and then another time, as as if just to show off a little bit, he took a table and a chair and a bottle of wine and a glass of wine, and he sat down in the middle, and he poured himself a glass of wine. Then on July 15th, Blondine walked backwards across the rope to Canada, 
and he returned pushing a wheelbarrow on the tightrope. Now, after pushing the wheelbarrow, he got back to the American side, and he asked for some audience participation, and he said, do you believe I can carry a person across in the wheelbarrow? And the crowd cheered, yes, Blondine, you can do it. We've seen you do these incredible things. We believe. And then Blondine asked, who will get in the wheelbarrow? And suddenly, that same crowd who oohed and aahed and said they believed, now that they were being invited to jump in themselves, were a little less keen. And of course, none did. But later in August of that year, Blondine's manager, a guy by the name of Harry Colcord, did climb on Blondine's back And he walked across the falls. Now, this is what Charles Blondine gave his manager. He said these follow instructions to him. Imagine you're trusting your life to Blondine, climbing back, and he looked up and he said, Harry, look up, Harry. You are no longer cold cord. You are Blondine. Until I clear this place, be part of me. Mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. For if you do, we will both go to our deaths. Guys, we can, we can be a bit like that. We can say, yes, we believe he is able. He has the power and the ability to keep me. And then we won't climb in the wheelbarrow. We try and do it on our own. And really what he's saying to us is, I don't want you just to climb in the wheelbarrow. I want you to climb on my back. And I want you to hear these words. Look up. You are no longer Graham. Fill in your own name there. You are no longer whoever you are. Be part of me. Mind, body, and soul. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. Trust me. Trust in my ability, not your own. Wow. Wow. Do we trust in his ability to keep us? And then he gives us this other word, keep, keep, right? In the, in the Greek, it's this incredible word which means to guard or to watch and protect. It means this like military type guard, Right? It's like a, 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 it's God who's exercising this unbroken vigilance of focus, of watching you. There's a, a place between North and South Korea called the Demilitarized Zone, the DMZ. And in the DMZ is a little village called the Reunification Village. And often families from North and South Korea sometimes are able to go and be reunified there for a short while. But they post the best guards in the country at this reunification village. They call them rock guards. And they have such intense focus. And they they stand like this with their fists ready to go, always keeping watch, keeping you safe, keeping you protected. And as you walk through there, you cannot help but feel protected. But the Greek word also implies one more thing. It means to personally be on God. This is not a case of the general sending one of his gods to keep watch. No, this is a case of the general himself. Jesus himself is watching over you. The Lord himself has a personal interest in keeping you. 
so that you will not stumble. You cannot do that. You can try, but you will fail. Or we can trust in his ability and his military-like strength to keep us from stumbling. Now, guys, some of us this morning hearing this, we've been stumbling. James tells us that we all stumble in many ways. And I want you to hear this. The Lord is saying, get on my back. Get on my back. Trust me. Trust my ability. Be with me, body, mind, and soul. Trust me. Let my ability to keep you shine through. Not in yourself. Now that doesn't mean that we don't do any keeping. Right? Because just a few verses before, Jude tells us, keep yourselves in the love of God. We do have a responsibility for protecting our relationship with Him, right? The Lord never, He never withdraws His love for us. But we can drift and we can neglect this great gift of knowing Him and walking with Him and enjoying His love. And Jude's message to us guys is, is keep in his love, treasure that relationship that you have with it, enjoy it, keep yourself there, and then trust in his ability to keep you from falling. We often get that backward to front, right? We're like, Lord, you just sustain my relationship, and I'll do the keeping. And the Lord is saying to us, no, no, treasure your relationship with him. And let him keep you. Another thing that the Lord accomplishes for us is to present you blameless, blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. You know, if you look back through church history and you look at all the courageous men and women that have gone before us, and you look at scripture, you will see this one thing that they all have in common. They look forward to, they had this one thing that they desired. Well, this was the thing that really kept them going through tough times. This was the vision that one day they would be in his presence. They would see him face to face. The, the psalmist says it like this. He said, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That was the ultimate goal, right? That was the longing that fulfilled their hearts. This was their collapsing in the cool waters moment, just to be in his presence. C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Narnia books. He called this the appetite for God. Right? All of us, as believers, we should have an appetite for God, a desire, a longing to be in His presence, a longing to see Him face to face. You know, the, the sad thing is that we can talk about this, and we can be like, yeah, oh, that's great. But the truth is, it doesn't really do anything in our hearts. It doesn't really change or make a difference. Because sometimes our appetite for other things is greater than our appetite for God. 
uh, there was a story of a man who heard about the awesomeness, the roar, and the thunder, and the magnificence of Niagara Falls. And he just heard about this, and he had to get there. So this man walked 700 kilometers to see the Niagara Falls. And when he was within just a few kilometers of his destination, he heard this, this, this thunder and this roar, and he got excited and thought, that could be Niagara. And he saw a farmer as he was passing a bill, and he, uh, as he was crossing a field, and he said to the farmer, is that the roar of Niagara? And the farmer replied, I don't know, but it may be. And the guy was a little bit surprised and thought, well, excuse me, do you, do you live here? And the farmer replied, born and bred, been here all my life. And he said, and you don't know whether that noise is from the falls? And the farmer said, no, stranger, I've never been there. I'm too busy looking after my farm. Guys, may that not be true of us. Let us not be a people who are so busy with the things of the world that we fail to be in awe of the roar and the thunder and the stillness and the majesty of his presence and a desire to be there. Right, this question that keeps coming up as I read this is what is the deepest longing of my heart? What is the deepest longing of your heart? Is it to be with him? Or is our appetite for other things stronger? You know, it's one thing to consider that we, we are going to stand in the presence of God and look at him face to face. It's an amazing other thing to consider that when that happens, we will be presented as blameless, blameless, and with great joy. All right, what I'd like us all to do now is turn to your, our, our favorite book in the Bible, which is Leviticus, right? Yeah, you all knew it was. I've never, never, ever, ever heard anyone who said their favorite book in the Bible is Leviticus, but it really does have something powerful to teach us about God's holiness. Because it's in Leviticus we learn that God is incredibly holy. He is perfect. And when you bring a sacrifice to Him, the sacrifice is to be without blemish. Without blemish means that there is no imperfection. It is without fault. It is perfect. And these words here, without blemish, is the exact idea that Jude is bringing forth with blameless. Right? We will be presented through Christ, blameless in his sight. Me, Graham Smith, without blemish blameless. Wow. Right? If you really knew me, you would know how wow that statement really is. But it's true of you as well. Wow. You, blameless, nothing against you. No wonder Jude says, man, if that happens and we realize that, it will stir such great joy in our hearts. And it's only possible through Christ. 
You see, he became our sacrifice. No sacrifice we could keep on giving that was ultimately perfect. So Christ came. He was without blemish, without sin. He was perfect in every way, and he sacrificed himself for us. So when people looked at Jesus and said, you are blameless, you're perfect without blemish, he says, no, no, I'll take the sin, I'll take the stain, I'll take the filth, but I'm gonna give you my righteousness, my blamelessness. You know, without being blameless and perfect, we could never go into his presence because God is holy, he's pure. Nothing impure could enter his presence. So what did he do? He himself came in the form of his son, entered in and offered himself that we might become blameless and now we are free to enter in as blameless. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, God made him who had no sin. That's Jesus, right? No sin, no blemish, nothing to put on him who had no sin to be sin for us. Our sins were put on him. And look what happens to us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, when you are carrying the righteousness of God, you are blameless. You are blameless, right? Jude is just, he's done this amazing thing because in the space of half a sentence, he's given us this beautiful summary of what God accomplishes for us, right? God is able to keep us from stumbling. He presents us blameless before Christ. Guys, you guys hearing this, right now your heart should just be swelling with thanksgiving and praise. I shouldn't be able to keep you in your seats right now, right? Most of you should be jumping up now and praising the Lord or at least saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. You didn't jump up though, okay? (laughs) But really, really, it's that moment, I don't know if you've ever had this, when someone's given you an incredible gift that you know you didn't deserve. And your heart attitude is like just just thanksgiving. You can't repay it. You just are so thankful for it. This is what it is. This is the gift of salvation. And it's more than that, so much more than that, because he's given us Jesus. What God is to us, verse 25 says this, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. To the only God, our Savior. See, whatever the false teachers were saying, whatever the message is that there are many gods and you, if you don't like the God, you can just design him in your own image. You can make him how you want him to be and all that. What he's saying here is there is only one One true God. Everything else does not exist. As nice as you make it out to be, it doesn't exist. There is only one true God. But that God is not far removed. He's not unknowable. He didn't just create the world and said, all right, now you guys get on with it. Oh, man, how did you make such a mess of that? No, this is a God that cares. And he looked down and he got involved. So involved that he sent his own son. And his own son came and was a savior to us, to rescue us. 
Because that's why when we sing and we have songs of worship and praise, we declare how great our God is. But we also sing of what a marvelous Savior we have. And Jude, he's got to this point in the letter and he's, he's had this thought and it's blowing his mind and he just breaks out into praise. You can see it as he's writing this down. He goes, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. That's the right response. That's the right response, right? When we know who he is and what he's done for us and who he is to us, our hearts just kind of, we just want to explode. We give him the glory. We give him the majesty and the dominion and the authority. But sometimes we don't. And we give all that praise, all the glory, all the majesty, all the dominion and the authority to other things, sometimes really silly things, right? I give glory to a sports team, right? Which, let's be honest, has not really done anything for me. I'm sure the strikers don't even know I exist, and yet I shout their praise. I give them the glory when they do something well. At best, they bring me a moment of joy if they win, but mostly they cause me heartbreak, right? There it is. It looks almost like a worship service, right? Everyone's lifting their hands, giving them the glory. Right, we give glory to strange things. We give glory to pop stars, movie stars, YouTube influencers. And you know what? They're all flawed. And their glory is guaranteed to fade. Only, only in Jesus will his glory never fade, never fade. It is pure and it is good and it is true now and it'll be true forever. Let's give him the glory. <coughs> Majesty. Majesty is, is a, it's a beautiful word, right? It's often used of royalty. We say the majesty, the queen, right? It is majestic and pure. Um, I have to be honest, I find it a little bit weird with people's fascination for the, the British royal family, right? So if you're one of those, there's grace and stuff. But I, I find it weird, right? But I think behind that is this desire that there should be a family that behaves in a royal way. So when they don't, it's always the scandal, right? It always kind of disappoints us. Uh, and we shouldn't really be surprised because they just flawed human beings like you and me. You see, there's only one who's not only royalty, but he lives in a perfectly royal and majestic way. He's serving the people, loving the people, giving himself for the people, and that is Jesus. Let's give him the majesty. Dominion, dominion. It means rule and power. And human leaders right since the beginning of time have tried to rule and have a dominion and have power. And what we often see is abuse of power. People who will do anything they can to get power. And then when they have it, they use it for their own gain and their own glory. They will lord their power over people. They will control the people. And I think this is the longing of our heart, right? The human heart is we want 
a perfect government. We want someone to, to rule that will rule with honesty and integrity, with power but in humility. Only, only in Christ will we find that. Let's give him the dominion in our lives. Authority. That word brings out a lot of emotion. I think it's because authority is so often abused. And there's also the other side of our hearts that we don't like being told what to do. We don't trust authority. But the crazy thing is, we will give authority to silly things in our lives. We will give authority to advertising. And we'll say, hey, you tell me how I should spend my money. Because you must know, right? You're telling me. And I give you the authority to tell me how I should do that. We give authority to culture. And we say, culture, you, you tell me how I should live. Or we give authority to, to social media. And we say, you, you define my identity. You tell me what is really valuable and, and what I'm worth. Guys, even with the best intentions, the best intentions, the authorities that we have are flawed and they're weak. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't respect authority. Jesus says, right, respect authority. Give them the honor that is due them. But they are weak. They are weak. They're not perfect. Jesus is the only one with absolute authority. He is the only one who can be trusted to always use it in the right way. So let's give Jesus the authority. Um, at home, we have a display cabinet. Now, this drives my wife mad, but uh, I have this display cabinet. We've got about six shelves. I get one. My wife gets about five. But on mine, this is what I did. I got some figures, and they are world leaders. On the one side are these world leaders. There's Hitler and Caesar and religious leaders. There's Mussolini and Napoleon. And they're all standing there in their uniforms and their hats and their swords and their weapons and riding on horses and look at all the pomp and glory that I deserve. Do you know what? Every single one of them, they are all gone. Their glory is gone. And on the other side of that is Jesus, a servant king performing his first miracle that pointed to who he was, turning water into wine, serving people, loving people. And you know what? His glory never fades. It never fades. Now and forever, it never fades. There was an American missionary who went to preach the gospel in Ecuador. And while he was preaching it there to one of the tribes, himself and four other missionaries were murdered. But it didn't matter because this guy had an incredible appetite for God. He had this longing to be with Jesus. And this guy, he knew no one can hold on to their life. No one can hold on to their life. His name was Jim Elliot, And shortly before he was murdered, he wrote this 
in his diary. This is what it said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me read that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Right? How beautiful it is that one day we're going to be in Jesus' presence. You know that word presence means before the face of. Right? To be in someone's direct gaze. One day... The longing of our hearts is going to be fulfilled when you look directly into his face. This perfect, loving, gracious face. That's beautiful. Paul said it like this. He said it in Corinthians. He goes, in this tent, in this body, we groan. Because we're longing, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling." And then a little bit further down in verse 8, he says, Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Why would anyone say that? Because you know what? It's better. It's better to look at his face, to be in his presence. Is that the longing that we have? Is that the longing that we have? If you've come along today and you're, you're not a Christian and you just kind of work this whole Christianity thing out, one thing I'd really like you to do is just consider Jesus and consider yourself. Jesus is pure, he's holy, he's loving, he's gracious. When we look at ourselves, how do we come into his presence? We know the very best of us, the very best of us are stained with sin. The things we've done, the things we've thought, the things that we, shouldn't, we should have done that we didn't do, that makes us blame. There's blame on us that we cannot, cannot get away from. But in Jesus, He can make you blameless. And he calls you to the cross. He says, come die, and I will give you my life. And you will be blameless. Look at Jesus. There are other of us who we've been wondering a bit. We've been trying to find glory and majesty and dominion and authority and other things. And Jude is writing this just to turn back, just stop and look at his common salvation. Look at what he's accomplished for us. Look at who he is. Nothing can compare to that. The answer is always him. The answer is always Jesus. So let's give him the glory and the majesty and the dominion and authority, all of it. Not just part of your life, but all of it. We're going to stand up and we're going to worship. So will you join me standing as we sing of this holy, holy, holy God that we serve, but also that we get to know. We get to worship Him as a great God.
but we also get to worship him as our great Savior. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you that it is you and you alone that is able to keep us from stumbling. You and you alone have all the authority, the dominion, the majesty, and the glory. Father, we just pray that as our our worship to you, may it be a sacrifice of praise. Lord, would you open our eyes again to the glory of your name, the beauty of your presence, and a desire within us just to be with you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen.